0: You're listening to The Purse Podcast from The Purse School, Cambridge.
1: Danny Crease, our Assistant Head for Pupil Welfare, joins me today for our podcast in a special edition produced for Children's Mental Health Week. This is a national week which for 2023 has adopted the theme Let's Connect and is encouraging children to connect with others in healthy, rewarding and meaningful ways. Welcome, Danny. So, Danny, how do we create a sense of community where everyone feels connected? I guess for us, when we talk about
0: how we really help everybody feel connected in the community here, one of the key parts to that is not just having the plethora of activities that we have on offer here, but also thinking that actually it is a bit deeper than that, and it's about how able the individuals in school are to actually be able themselves to connect with other people as much as it is about having the opportunity to have shared experiences a lot of the time for us it's thinking how do we make sure that we invest um, in time where people can connect so whether that is they might connect a music group or a sports club or a lego club or the neurodiversity group. I think we're very good as a school at making sure that we do invest um, in having a really wide range of activities that allow people to connect with other people in the community. And that's not easy sometimes, it means that we're juggling lots of different activities and schedules and that we're busy and so we're coupling that with making sure that we then also have time to just listen and sit down and ask questions and find out about people as individuals. So many parents will know that tutors schedule one-to-ones with their tutees and scheduling that time again just balances I guess spending time with friends and peers and teachers doing activities and, and feeling connected through those shared experiences but also being able to then just one-on-one ask questions and listen um, and get to know what's going on for that person individually so they feel valued, they feel invested in, they feel very heard um, in that distraction-free environment.
1: It's interesting that you talk about being heard there because some people are very extroverts, so you know maybe they find it easier to connect when they have their shared experiences and shared interests, but for other people, perhaps more introverted personalities, they might really struggle... In those kind of situations.
0: Yeah absolutely and I I guess one of the challenges is figuring out what works for everybody and part of that is what works for them as an individual. So you're right sometimes in a big group you might have people who are keen to take a back seat and listen more and might therefore come away with a sense of actually I don't feel very heard and I don't feel like people ask me questions I've kind of absorbed a lot. So it's important that we find a way of listening to everybody that works for them Um, but I guess also even for those people who find they are more extrovert and more comfortable in expressing you know their feelings their thoughts their views whatever it might be that they also see that balance then of that sort of scheduled time one-on-one so that they know they're valued for them as an individual but also maybe that we're modeling to them how they can connect with other people. Because in a community like this, we're looking to foster interactions between everybody. So it's not just within our friendship group, where sometimes that can be forged quite early on and we can feel quite comfortable and they're quite easy relationships. That actually within any community, what we're looking to achieve is is that level of respect and value for everybody in that. Um, and I guess a lot of our work around inclusion at the moment will sometimes be in lessons to highlight and say, Please remember, let's make sure if we've got group work that everybody should be having a voice in this conversation, not just the people who might lead the conversation to start with. So I guess, again, by making sure that we have those opportunities for everybody, but also allow them all to learn that in order to connect with people, they will have to adapt what works for them to what other people need around them.
1: How do you, uh, Danny, in your work, encourage children here to build healthy friendships
0: there's no one answer to that I guess you know you look at when when children are first born and they're going to go through that whole journey to adulthood where you know they themselves are they're developing they're learning more about themselves and what works for them so when we talk about healthy friendships part of that is figuring out for them themselves what healthy looks like for some children You know, that will look like a really big friendship group where they're very active. For others, that will be a much smaller friendship group um, where they might be doing sort of more quiet things. The starting point to that is really guiding children on their journey to adulthood so that they have that self-awareness about what feels good for me, what brings out the best of me. You know, I might have been with a friendship group where I felt like I could flourish and we were all bringing out the best of each other. And at some point, as they grow up, that might change and and friends might develop different interests or go through different periods at different times. I think certainly we see that at the upper school, where, you know, sort of year eight, year nine, people do grow and change. And part of knowing what that healthy friendship is, I guess, is being able to be confident in what you need and aware of what you need from your friends but also then having the skill set to adapt maybe um, and to branch out and make new connections with different people and different activities and friends so that you then are able to navigate those. So I think our job isn't an easy one and it's very much working in partnership, yes with the whole support network around children to make sure that they're guided through that process as they're growing up they're not they're not going to get things right first time they're not going to know how to respond to every situation in front of them but our job as a whole around them is to make sure that they can have those conversations they can reflect on what it is they want and then they can have that skill set i guess to move forwards and you know navigate adapt to the situation and make the changes they need to that feel right for them and that are healthy for them
1: when children are younger and learning how to make friends parents have a role to play in helping their children to develop those friendships Perhaps through things like organising playdates, but as their children get older, the role of the parent changes as the children become more independent. So, how can we help and support parents to get that balance right? I think just coming back to the starting point, there's certainly
0: you know a view out there that I think lots of us revert to when children are younger of thinking, well, they need more support at that age. Um, you know, they're much younger; they might need more input from people around them just to cover some of their basic needs as well Um, and it's really interesting because actually the World Health Organization talk about a second period of critical development during adolescence and I think that's a particularly hard one because they are that much more independent and capable and, and part of their journey is I guess very much on creating that independence detaching themselves a little bit from primary caregivers and adults around them and relying on those peer interactions more readily they would have done before and that can lead us into a sense of they can navigate all of this themselves but actually I think probably a lot of the schools of thought would be they all need equal input but it's the way that we input that might be different and again I think that's a challenge for all of us as as they grow up from being you know pelican or prep age to the upper age the way in which we navigate those conversations will be different We have a big focus I guess on trying to think about what connects us in our relationships and and maybe spending time talking through those so whether it's going for a walk whether it's doing some baking whether it's just in the car journey home for us in school whether it's walking around the playing fields throwing a rugby ball whatever it is I think some of it is figuring out what works for the children individually regardless of their age but maybe the second thing is as they get older acknowledging sometimes that they want less direction and clear sort of this is what you should do or how you should navigate it but I guess more of an approach of helping them to reflect on what they're feeling again what feels right for them what possible other considerations there might be that they haven't given thought to so that we are then essentially kind of giving them their own ideas to run with rather than us telling them.
1: I think that's really interesting because I think when you think of the word connection, what automatically comes to my mind is like us being proactive, maybe speaking or doing. But what what you're really saying here is that it's so important that through that connection is actually about the listening, and that listening is 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 such an important part of connection.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and it's really interesting actually because I remember someone once said to me, "We have two ears and one mouth, and we should listen twice as much as we should speak." And I guess there's real truth to that, that if we are going to connect with people, we do have to listen to what it is that works for them, what feels right for them, what's healthy for them. And one of the difficulties, I guess, for us as adults is that we might have a pathway in our mind of how young people and children are going to grow up and develop. But actually part of them developing their own self-esteem, sense of identity, is figuring out what choices and connections they want to make as well. And we can't we can't protect them from everything and we can't dictate what those are and they might be different to the ones that we foresaw but part of our challenge is very much i guess listening and working with them but also you know there is that acknowledgement too that they may not always make choices which feel right to them and or are healthy and again it's navigating well how can we listen how can we work with them to help them see that rather than
1: telling them that they may not always respond particularly well to that I'd just like to pick up on that point you made about unhealthy relationships because we've talked a lot about friendships so far and the teenage years may also be a time when a young person might enter into perhaps their first romantic relationship and that comes with its own challenges. So what advice can you give to parents about how they can best support children through this chapter which can be quite intense for some children? perhaps being in love for the first time
0: yeah and I think we all remember don't we that first romance whether it was a a full committed relationship or whether it was an infatuation with someone where you'd just you know hang out and go for a walk sometimes or message each other it's really all-consuming for a lot of us Um, and it's something that's absolutely amazing and incredible But there are always those potentials to make mistakes or not quite realise the consequences of, of some of those relationships. So from our experience in school, I guess a lot of it, again, is about having that opportunity to kind of, you know, talk through what their experiences are, how they're feeling, how they're finding things, try and encourage that bit of balance. So I guess, again, you know, coming back to Children's Mental Health Awareness Week, it's all about making connections well, is part of growing up and and encountering first romantic relationships, is it about helping them to make those new connections in a romantic way rather than perhaps a platonic way, but in a way that has balance so they don't lose the connections that might already be there for them in their lives. I think certainly that's something we hear from parents and, and pupils themselves is that complete feeling of just love and adoration and excitement can lend itself to becoming very fully committed to that relationship and perhaps overly so which then means you know do you then lose the connection and the sense of belonging and purpose that you have in other connections so I think our advice would be very much on kind of maintaining all of those the other thing we've talked a lot about emphasizing listening and talking and identifying what feels right and what feels good for you. And I guess that's no different in a romantic relationship to a friendship. It's just that the the romantic relationship might be a very new experience. And so a lot of the time it's kind of adapting to that and having the support and being guided through that process rather than just assuming, again, because they're a bit older, because they're more independent generally, because they want their own time and space. We all know teenagers don't always like to open up to adults but we need to be able to kind of support them and guide them through that journey because they are just learning and that difference between what's a healthy relationship and what's an unhealthy relationship. There are some key categories that we could all say, you know, an abusive and manipulative relationship is not going to be a healthy one. It's about them learning for themselves too what feels healthy and right to me as much as something that generically we could talk about.
1: That's really interesting, actually, because I think you're talking about, you know, we're all learning. And even as parents, we're learning as well, because, you know, as parents, your children might be going through this, stage for the first time and as parents there's no manual we've not done it before either (laughs) so we're all learning together not just the children but their parents too and I think like you say it's really important that we do just see this as a journey and we don't beat ourselves up about it if we kind of maybe get something wrong
0: oh absolutely and and I think communication is at the heart of so much whether it's you know parent to child communicating teacher to pupil whether it's you know two children in that first romantic relationship together And them having that ability to, again, connect with each other openly and be vulnerable and express their emotions, but in a safe way. Sometimes when we are a bit fearful, that's when that connection can actually drive disconnection. So it might be that we shut down conversations and don't feel able to express our true emotions because we need to protect ourselves. Or it could go the other way where sometimes people might feel so vulnerable in those first romantic relationships that there's lots of intensity and desire to talk about things and emotions and, you know, a real intensity to it that then can, again, drive disconnection from that person but also lose connections to other ones that were previously there. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right there. It is, We're all sort of learning on that journey and I think communication and and being able to express things and be vulnerable is a really key part of that
1: Danny thank you ever so much very insightful and as always really really helpful thank you
0: thank you for having me